Online for North Surrey, this is Brooklyn's Radio. And welcome to Brooklyn's Radio's coverage of the GSK Weybridge Local Health Awards 2014, held at Brooklyn's Museum. And joining me is Alison Florence. Hello, Graham. It's really nice to be here. I'm very excited to be talking to some of the people who are actually going to be winning awards tonight. And I'm now with uh, Simon Gunson, GSK Vice President, New Product Development. And uh, you started all this, Simon, didn't you? Was it nine years ago? Yeah, basically the story the story goes that I I did a few days at head off a few years at head office. Sorry, not days, and um, it was some it was an initiative that that was supported within GSK House, and I came over to Weybridge to go uh, join R and D. And at that point, we had nothing that was supporting the local community. And I just thought that, let's see what we can do. So I spoke to my, my boss at the time, who was based in the US, and we, we, we sought a budget and, um, and started the, the giving of the five 5,000 awards. And, and ironically, that actually spread. And he actually then took that back to the US and actually does the same in our Parsippany site in New Jersey as part of their community support program as well. So, um, so it wasn't it. It was my invention for R and D, but it was a GSK head office conception. Yes, and it's obviously kept going all these years, which is actually marvellous. Yeah, I think I think the key now is is for us to s- sustain that. Um, you know, we're looking to have six awards rather than five and try and, you know, spread spread the, 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 the funding wherever we possibly can and the assistance wherever we possibly can. I think something that I would encourage on the radio is, you know, come back to us with requests for Orange Days. You know, we struggle to get people who want us to come as a group of people and actually apply our skills that we've got within our Weybridge site to actually help you know, wherever we can with charities that need volunteers as well. And, and everybody within GSK has at least one day a year that is funded by GSK to actually allow them to actually do some voluntary work. This is really quite unique, I think, isn't it? It, it I, th- I hear that there are a number of other co- major, major companies in the UK that are starting to do this. And I think it's something that is very close to our heart as a consumer healthcare and as a big pharmaceutical company that you know we want to uh, you know help people improve their lives basically great because obviously you, a lot of local people are employed in your in your organization here as well and it, it's uh, something they're able to give back to the community that's correct i mean we've we've got 350 staff at weybridge so we're, we're a significant part of, uh, of of the town itself and and obviously the, the the borough of elmbridge itself so so yeah it's great that we can we can do that right, well thank you very much simon and uh, marvelous getting this going great thank you very much i'm standing here now at the awards uh, with peter Movelly from surrey north area cruise bereavement care well done for getting the award peter how long has uh, surrey north area cruise been in existence um well the crew, the charity itself has been um running since about 1959 it's originally based in richmond and the but the various um areas have all um got different times and what sort of bereavement does it help people with? Is, is it sort of purely, you tend to think, oh, cancer is the thing that most people get upset about, but what other things would people need support for? Well, certainly cancer is very um, prevalent, but there's a wide range of other things. Um, obviously, there are medical conditions, um, the kind of um, bereavement where people walk out the door and you don't see them again, you know, road traffic accidents, things like that, right along to military deaths and um, disasters. 
And what sort of age range of people do you tend to support? I mean, can you actually support young children whose parents maybe have got terminal illnesses? Yes, we do support um, uh, the entire range that you would expect. Obviously, there is a slight um, leaning towards um, older people, but we support people of all ages, including children and young adults. And can you actually generalise what sort of support someone's going to need by the condition or the age that they're at? Well, each um, person who requests support um, is assessed, so we um, and we then will recommend the type of support that they receive. And it's usually um, either one-to-one support, um, group support, and then we have special sessions for children and young adults. And are these done in a group session or one-to-one? Um, one-to-one is certainly the most popular. About 80% of our um, support um, uh, interventions are done on a one-to-one basis. But groups are becoming more popular. Because you find that when someone talks with someone else, you realise they've got the same feelings as you have and it makes you feel maybe slightly more positive? Absolutely. In fact, um, one of the reservations that people sometimes have about groups support, which is talking in front of strangers, is ultimately one of the things that they find the most uh, comfort for when they actually um, go to do the group sessions. So. Now, since you started, has the type of support that you've been asked for changed in any way? Well, it has from the point of view that we're try- we've recently launched uh, an initiative to provide five separate support types within the next five years. Um, as I've said, we currently do one-to-one groups and children and young adults, but we're hoping to add um, online and internet support and also direct telephone support to that. So that's one of the reasons we've applied for this grant with um, GlaxoSmithKline. Now, the grant you've actually applied for and been awarded is going to be used for what reason? And primarily for training, and actually Pauline, who's standing next to me here, is um, uh, in charge of our training for crews, so she can probably tell you a bit more about that. So what sort of training would somebody need, Pauline? If anybody wants to come and join crews and wants to have client contact, everybody has to do the awareness and bereavement training, which is about a three-month course. It's quite a... Um, intensive people are quite surprised at what it covers um, and it gives it's awarded a level 2 national certificate for, with the centres for those who wish to apply for that um, on top of that you then, if you want to expand there's further training for children and young people for group facilitators um, and for supervisors and now um, we're going to be adding to this for the 5 and 5 some training for telephone work and also for internet work, because that's very specific and very different skills from the one-to-one, obviously, in the group. So that's where the grant is going to be going. And also some equipment to help us with this new IT that's coming in from Cruise Head Office. And we've all got to get trained up so that we, we know what we're doing with the computers, which, uh, you know, I can't always call the grandchildren down because of confidentiality. <laughs> so, um, you know, we need to have some decent training on internet. Um, and how to um, use all of these facilities. And that's, that's the way forward now, is that we need this training, and unfortunately training costs money, you know, so uh, that's why we're very grateful to have won this award. It's going to be very useful to us. And can anyone actually become a bereavement counsellor, or do you need certain skills? Do you find that some people come along and there's no way they're ever going to make it? It's very rare that we find that. Most people who choose to come have often been bereaved themselves and appreciated the support they've had. And as long as people have an ability to listen, have a desire to, to be there for others, to support others, the training will iron out any wrinkles there might be. Um, obviously, we do interview everybody prior to the course to see if they're suitable. And there's always other jobs within the organisation if they feel that perhaps 
one-on-one work or group work isn't for them. And if anyone listening today would like to become uh, um, somebody who's going to take part, how would they actually get in contact with you? They could go to, well, in fact, Peter's probably better at telling what the addresses are of the website. There's a website for us, but also um, if they look up Surrey North Cruise area, we have an office in Chertsey in the uh, Running Mead Voluntary Services office. And Peter, can you finally tell us then um, how they would apply to be a volunteer and also how they would apply if they needed your support? Um, well, the best, uh, the quickest and easiest way is the website, which is um, cruise.org.uk backslash Surrey North Area. Um, or we have a helpline as well, which are the details of which are on the website. Um, we do intakes for uh, new bereavement volunteers about this time of the year. We begin training in January, so if anyone's interested, it's a good time to apply. Good luck with this. Thank and you Congratulations on receiving the award. Many thanks. I'm now with James Rosal, and he's from Surrey Search and Rescue. Hello, James. Hello, good evening. And uh, amazing work that you do, but I don't know how many listeners know about this voluntary organisation that's uh, really out to help uh, find vulnerable adults and missing children. Well, yes, the organisation uh, is... A, we're, we're from part of AUSA, which is the Association of Lowland Search and Rescue. Most people have heard of Mountain Rescue, um, and we're like the sister organisation of that, and we work in the, in the lowland counties, like, like Surrey, most people don't know about Surrey is it's actually the most wooded county in the country uh, which poses significant challenges to finding vulnerable missing people. Well, that's interesting. I noticed that in fact over 77% of the county is classified as rural land. Yeah, ex- exactly. You know, people, there's, we've got obviously some big town, uh, towns and cities in Surrey but uh, yeah, rural land is obviously where people predominantly go missing. Um, so it takes quite a diverse team to be able to search those terrains, tra- traversing from urban to woodland, you know, quite qu- quite quickly. So. so do you tend to support the police and other organisations in what they're doing? Yes, absolutely. The, the, we're called out by the police. They are we, they are sort of customer, so to speak, and. Um, they would call us when they have what they call a high-risk missing person, which can be based on many factors, you know, the, their, their age, their medical conditions, the weather, all sorts of things that can, uh, that, you know, someone being particularly vulnerable. But once they classify that person as high-risk, they will seek our assistance in finding that person as soon as possible. This must take an awful lot of training from your volunteers. It, it does. I mean, we're enti- the entire organisation is all voluntary-based. Everyone in it is a volunteer. Um, and it, predom- it usually takes people about six months from joining us as a, as a new in- inductee to become operational. Uh, we do quite a lot of training to get everyone up to a, a level. And th- at that point, they are then a qualified search technician and able to go out on the ground and search for missing people. So, so what sort of things are they going to have to learn? I mean, obviously, first aid comes to mind. Yeah, it's a, it's a variety of skills. I mean, first aid is key. They've got to be able to help people, you know, with those vulnerable people when they find them. Uh, navigation, um, search techniques, um, extraction techniques. You know, if we find someone, we actually have to get them onto a stretcher and, ca- and move them out that woodland. And then there's other disciplines, you know, around that, you know, uh, leadership skills, um, search planning and all sorts of things. So once they're qualified, it branches out into quite a lot of other avenues which they can get involved with. Uh, I guess any one individual search is, is different, but you call upon your past experience to know what's the best approach yeah absolutely it is it is very much a um an activity of experience you know you start to get a you start to understand the 
the challenges and motivations of different missing people type. You know, people with dementia act differently to, to despondents who act differently to children. And as you start to sort of look for those people and find people, you you, uh, you 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 build on that experience to adjust your search strategy. And certainly, the search planners and team leaders will will factor that heavily into how they um, tackle a, a given search. So, are so you mainly concentrating on the rural area rather than the town centres? Yes, I mean the town town centres and stuff like this are predominantly the area of the police they, you know, we have a lot of CCTV in places these days and that sort of helps in their investigation often gives us um, a last known position or a place last seen of a missing person which we can then use to get a direction of travel or some other use of information to, 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 to find them but obviously there's a lot of people in those places, um, it tends to be the more um, wood, wooded areas and stuff where it's harder to find someone. Uh, and there you got, uh, how many volunteers are doing this then? So the team at the moment has got around 70, uh, 70 people in it um, of which about nearly 40 are operational members, the rest of them are currently in training or uh, supporters fundraisers and other roles in the team Okay, and I see you've got some search dogs as well. Yeah, the search dogs are one of our gr- greatest assets. They, you know, they can cover areas so quickly. They are people's pets um, who they have, you know, trained up to the standards required to do that. And we have uh, yeah, dogs of, di- of different qualifications, but the level three search dogs can cover sort of areas up to sort of about ninety acres in an hour, which is obviously gives us to cover a lot more ground than people. So we, yeah, we really we, dogs are really useful assets. Right. Anyway, obviously tonight I'm sure you're delighted with the award uh, from GSK of £5,000 going to go towards essential work that you're doing. Yeah, it's absolutely fabulous. Um, as I said, the team is entirely voluntary funded and uh, you, you know, we, we rely on donations and grants and support of people and companies. So this £5,000 will really help us. Um, we make every penny go a long way and uh, this, will, you know, this will allow the team to, to further develop and, uh, by equipment and training which we need to look for these vulnerable missing people. I'm going to say, you know, you must have quite a lot of specialist equipment. Yes, uh, yeah, there, there is quite a lot of specialist equipment. Certainly the vehicles, uh, the control vehicle which we've got, which has got all sorts of uh, communications equipment, uh, mapping equipment. Uh, and then in terms of our specialist rescue capability, the water and the technical rescue, you know, we have to buy dry suits, water, you know, jackets, boats, all, you know, torches, high-vis jackets, uh, radios, the list goes on, it really is. But, and, and the sort of volunteers you get, are they from all walks of life or are they typically from... You know, like the fire, police, the, the army and so on? Well, we really do have a, a diverse mix. I mean, obviously, it, you know, it, it, it attracts people of those backgrounds you list, but we have you know, people from all ages, all walks of life, which actually really helps the team because sometimes those people who maybe are retirees in the team are able to help sure we've got um, cover during office hours, people on shift work are able to provide cover. So it really is about that mix to make sure people we're able to provide that t- 24-7 cover that we do. OK, if everybody's interested in, in joining you, how do they go about it? Um, so obviously, if you look on our website, we've got details of the sign-up process. We run uh, induction days. I think the next one's coming up in a couple of weeks' time, um, and uh, that's our... We're doing a walk around the uh, Devil's Punch Bowl Thursday area uh, where people come along and initially assessed by the team and then they move forward into our training programme. So we definitely get in touch, find out more about what's going on because we could really always do the help. Yeah, just, uh, just Google uh, Surrey Search and Rescue and I'm sure it will come up. Well, thank you very much, James, for talking to me today. Congratulations. My, my pleasure. Thank you, for, thank you very much. Hello, I'm talking here now to uh, the PR officer for mediation... North Surrey. Uh, congratulations on receiving the award. Can you tell me a bit about what Mediation North Surrey actually does? Hello and thank you. Yes, we are very pleased that uh, we had this prize. We are a small charity in terms of administration. Uh, we have a um, few mediators who are all volunteers. They are trained as a mediator. 
and we uh, try to deal with conflict of in neighborhood and community which means that if um, any neighbors have a, a problem they can come and be addressed to us they can be either uh, self um, referral or we have referrals from organization in the um, local community our mediators meet separately with each of the parties and we uh, do uh, sit them together and we try to help them to resolve their country between themselves. What sort of conflicts might somebody have with their neighbour that would need resolving? Um, there are all sorts of uh, small conflicts, often um, shared driveway issues, car park, overhanging trees, branches, um, noise, cats, pets, beans that are annoying the neighbour. And what sort of difference can it make to them if they don't manage to sort this out through your organisation? I actually think what we do has a high impact on the health of uh, our community because a conflict with a neighbour is something you have on an everyday basis. You leave home in the morning with the conflict in your mind, you come back home with the conflict still there. So it is a major issue starting from often a very small problem which we do our best to help the two parties to resolve between themselves. And what sort of things go on between neighbours that don't get on with each other? Lots of animosities, conflicts, looking at each other, um, bad words, taking pictures, trying to make proof of what the other side is doing, um, annoying each other's children. Uh, we've got sometimes parents bullying the other side's children, sometimes children bully each other at school. So, And what happens when one of those neighbours comes to mediation or Surrey? How does the other neighbour actually feel about it? Are they usually quite relieved or do they resent that someone's taken it further? Um, unfortunately, they are neighbours who do not appreciate to be told by the other neighbour. But quite often, it's a relief for the two parties to be able to have that opportunity of uh, talking with each other and sitting and understand the other side's point of view. So what actually happens? Say somebody's coming to you now and saying, I've got terrible problems with my neighbour. Where do you take it from there? Our first challenge at that point is to find the name of the other neighbours. Unfortunately, often neighbours don't know each other's names or they don't have the phone number or email address for us to contact them. Once we've passed that barrier... We fix an appointment with each party that our two mediators will always work by pair. Um, we meet each party separately until we set a date where we can uh, offer the two parties to sit together in a neutral place and open the dialogue. And somebody actually mediates that, do they? They sort of chair the meeting. Uh, but our two mediators make the kind of alchemia to help the parties to talk to each other. We allow and empower the parties to find their own solution, which is a main difference with a court system. I myself, as a background lawyer, and I know how much heavy the law um, proceeding can be. So what we offer is complete confidentiality and allowing parties to find their own solution. We do not give them advice as such. We just help them to reconnect and re-establish the dialogue. 
And the grant that you've actually won this year is £5,000. What is that money going towards? We needed that money for more training. We need more mediators. We have, we have more and more cases that are referred to us. We would like to open to more cases and we needed more training for new mediators and also an ongoing training for our mediators. And do people need to have any sort of legal background? No, not at all. No, we, um, we don't uh, act as a lawyer. We act as mediator, able to listen and help to reconnect. And if anyone needs help or they would like to volunteer, what should they do? We need volunteers, so everyone is very welcome to contact um, our charity, Mediation Not Surrey. We have a website online, mediate.me.uk. You can contact us, and if uh, you are the sort of person that can do the, the, the work and you're able to give of your time, we offer training, and that uh, grant that we've been given would help us for this. And what's your success rate? Um, the success rate really depends on what we consider. Once we have the two parties sitting next to each other, our success rate is extremely high. The challenge is to um, convince the parties that this is the best solution for them. Unfortunately, sometimes we've got one party who says, no, I haven't done anything, so I, haven't done, I have nothing to do here. Once they both sit together, we have a very high percentage. Good luck with that and congratulations on the award. And I'm now with Fiona Dick from the Fountain Centre at St Luke's Hospital. Good afternoon. Hello, nice to meet you. And you as well. And uh, can you tell me a bit about the uh, Fountain Centre there? Yes, we're based in St Luke's Cancer Centre, so we're more or less next to the chemo suite, but we're an independent charity. We look after cancer patients, their families, their carers, some of the hospital staff too. We can offer them complementary therapies, counselling, general information and advice, and just somewhere to sit in the hospital that doesn't feel like a hospital. I was going to say, because it's, you know, there's a lot of treatment involved, isn't there? A lot of medical stuff going on, and, and, you, and you've got, got to think about the person. The psychological effects of a cancer diagnosis are huge and they're sometimes underestimated. So the ability to go somewhere, just sit, relax, talk to people if they want to or just have a quiet cup of tea. And, and you're all volunteers? We have two full-time staff at the moment, about 100 volunteers. Some of those are professional therapists or professional counsellors. Others are just there to be a supporting shoulder, basically. Yeah, absolutely marvellous. And just a sort of a bit of an oasis in, in, the, in the hospital. That's a word a lot of people use about us, yes. We're, it's calm. It's an escape. And so this is right from the stage where people get the diagnosis to going through their treatment? Absolutely, from the point of diagnosis for as long as they need us. Um, in many cases, people find that the treatment that they get comes to a fairly abrupt stop for good or bad reasons we're there for as long as they need us they can keep on coming some people keep coming back for occasional sessions or ongoing counselling for two or three years afterwards and the alternative therapies what sort of things available um, we've got a huge range and if we haven't got it we try and find it usually 
Uh, acupuncture is very popular. Reflexology, various sorts of massage. Massage can be particularly helpful with some of the side effects of the surgery and the ongoing treatment, particularly for lymphedema, which is where limbs swell because the lymphatic system breaks down completely. Uh, we have, as I say, counsellors, yoga, meditation. What yeah, else? And, and this is the thing, and of course, a lot of the, the hospital treatment has these you know, adverse side effects. Mm. It's hard to say that the treatment is worse than the illness, but some people feel that at the time. Yeah. So the symptoms can be terrible. Anyway, congratulations for getting this award from uh, GSK for their health awards this year. Have you got any thoughts as to where the 5000 might be spent? We've got a very specific project that we want to use this money for. We've got a couple of therapists who've been starting to do work, particularly on scar management. And obviously, a lot of surgery is involved. The side effects of that include the loss of function through scarring and certainly the cosmetic effects. They're coming up with treatments that can help with both sides so that the end result looks better and doesn't restrict movement in some in the same way as you, know, you have to put up with otherwise so that's what we're going to be looking at it's a marvelous marvelous project isn't it well thank you so much for talking to me tonight fiona and uh, i wish you all the best in the project if anybody else would like to volunteer how do they go about it uh, just give us a call or look at the website www.fountaincenter.org thank you very much and that was fiona dick from the fountain center I'm standing here at the awards this evening with a representative from WWAG. Now, when we have an abbreviated society, the first thing I'm always going to ask is, what does that actually stand for? Uh, WWAG is known as WAG, and it stands for Wellness with a Goal. And what sort of wellness are we talking about here? We're talking about mental well-being. And what sort of problems would people have if their mental well-being isn't up to scratch? Um, well, it, we cover a whole range of um, people with mental health issues. Uh, people, early intervention and prevention, uh, and mild depression, right through to um, people with bipolar. And so what sort of age group do you tend to cover? Is it right across the board or do you find that there's some areas where people tend to get more depressed? Um, well, we're lead providers of community connection services for people with mental health issues in Elmbridge and uh, we're funded by Surrey County Council and the um, community, um, the, the GPs basically and um, we are open for people from the age of 18 right the way through to 65 however we're still open to people that are older than 65 as well The fact that you actually work with doctors as well does that mean that they refer people to come to you when they've given them say antidepressants? Uh, absolutely. We, we get referrals from GPs, um, but we also get referrals from community mental health recovery services. Um, and uh, we actually take self-referral. So uh, we're really open to everybody locally that has a mental health issue. Now, the people that work for WAG, have they got a mental health background or are they volunteers? Uh, that's very interesting you say that. Uh, I got involved in 1996 um, following a, a breakdown m myself 
and um, the charity wasn't really doing very much at, the, at that time and uh, we turned it into an organisation that was delivering services. Um, and our, what we tend to do is we encourage uh, clients to start volunteering and then if it fits, then we actually um, ask them if they would like part-time work. And so all of the people that actually work for WAG at the moment are people that have had or still have a mental health issue. So we're delivering services from personal experience. And what sort of uh, reaction do you get once people have had um, help from WAG? Do you find that they can more likely get jobs, they can carry on with their normal life, or what would be the outcome? Uh, Well, that's interesting. We we do actually change lives. Um, And uh, an example of that is um, a local artist who's recently moved abroad um, a long, long time ago was a client of ours and he, he wrote to us, emailed us, telling us that he, he'd moved abroad. His life was um, really good and he was getting really good, good commissions. And right at the end of the um, email, he put, oh, there is just one other thing to say. Uh, thank you. You saved my life. Now, you've won a grant uh, this year of £5,000 from Glaxo. What are you actually going to use that money for? Well, we're really excited because um, we know that um, uh, positive thinking and self-esteem building and confidence building is the essence of actually recovery for a lot of people. And so we're using that money to deliver 10-week and 5-week courses um, in relation to positive thinking and self-esteem. And we're also hoping to have some workshops with local businesses. And presumably Glaxo is one of the businesses that have got involved to help you? Um, yes, Glaxo, they've been fantastic. Smith yeah, they've been fantastic. And um, uh, I have to mention Tina, who um, is our uh, communications and community links person, manager actually. And she, um, she is the one that actually announced one day that she put in this application um, and, um, and very successfully. So we're delighted. Um, that we've got that support and it will make a difference to lots of people's lives I know. Now anyone who thinks that they know someone who would benefit from WAG or would benefit themselves how would they contact you? Um, Well we've got a really um, up-to-date website Um, they can call us on our um, office number 01932 231 918 and can you give us your internet or website contact details, please? Website, www.wwag.org.uk. That's the website, and you'll get all contact information there. And I'm now with Councillor Barry Fairbank, who's uh, Mayor of uh, Elmbridge and was giving out the awards this evening. Good evening. Good evening. And uh, quite an evening, really, isn't it, celebrating these voluntary organisations? Yes, indeed. I mean, the more I see him during my mayoral year, uh, the more I'm impressed with uh, what people are prepared to do to help each other and those in need. And I think this evening was a clear demonstration of that. Absolutely. And uh, I think, as you were saying, there's an awful lot of people in this part of the world who uh, are willing to volunteer as well. Indeed. Um, Not always... um, easy to get volunteers to come forward but uh, I'm very pleased when they do and uh, we've seen many examples of volunteering whether it be in day centres whether it be providing health services 
um, outside of what the uh, councils offer. Um, so there are many, many examples of um, what's happening in, a, in the area generally. Indeed, and all, all the uh, award winners tonight are demonstrating just how much they're helping people who may be you know, in a bit of difficulty at the present time. I think you were saying you know, we all get uh, health problems from time to time and other issues, and uh, just having that extra help is, is essential. Yes, no, that's absolutely true. I think um, we all need some help at times. At moments, some more than others, it has to be said. But uh, I think we have to recognise that we have people in our community that do need help. And it's good as well. We've got this, the corporate world uh, helping as well with GSK. Well, very, very pleased that GSK not only provide support overseas, in Africa and many places elsewhere, but also they provide, they don't forget the community in which they run their business. And uh, I think that's brilliant. And, of course, a, a lot of people who work for them actually live in the community here. Indeed. And also, they have their Orange Day. Indeed. Excellent, isn't where, it? Where staff are encouraged to go and work in the community on that day. Right. Well, thank you very much for talking to me today. And that was Councillor Barry Fairbank, uh, Mayor of Elmridge. Thank you. I'm now standing here with Councillor Peter Waddell, who's the Mayor of Runnymede. This evening here at uh, Glaxo, it's all been about volunteering. What does volunteering mean to you then, Peter? I think it's a huge force for good, um, not just in the kind of, that kind of fluffy sense, but actually in delivering services in the community that increasingly local authorities find difficult to fund in the conventional way. So the big society in reality, you know, communities helping communities, but in an organised way. And which uh, of these communities do you find really need the most help that's not helped by any other means? Well, it's interesting. You, we think of leafy Surrey as being fairly rich, uh, but interestingly, in my borough, which is Runnymede, we have uh, two areas which are, are among the, the most deprived in the country. And we're on a three-year program to try and raise the deprivation index by something like 10 percentage points. Uh, and it's, it's, that takes a, a lot of coordinated effort by a lot of people, a lot of voluntary bodies, and increasingly the community itself, which is being energised to take control of its own destiny. And that's really starting to work. And how do you actually encourage people in Runnymede to actually help you and become volunteers? Well, that's not necessarily in the gift of the council. We have uh, Voluntary Support North Surrey, which is uh, a long-established body. It's the Council for Voluntary Service. And what it does, it does a, a sterling job in coordinating volunteering in finding outlets for volunteering and matching people to volunteering jobs, as well as coordinating the, the strategy for all the voluntary bodies in Runnymede and their interface with the council and the funding stream. And what's your personal role in the volunteering section of Runnymede? Well, it has been for the last 10 years. It's been part of my portfolio. But uh, as I'm mayor this year, I sort of step out of all kind of executive responsibility. Uh, and my chief duty is cutting tapes, kissing babies and eating far too much, um, all of which is terrible. But um, I hope to encourage in this year uh, the spirit of volunteering and also some engagement with democracy in a much more real and positive sense than I think mayors have tried to do before. And how are you intending going about that? Well I'm, I'm somewhere down the track. I, I announced at the beginning of my kind of mayoral reign 
that I was going to do Mirabouts, which completely confused people. Um, I, I, I admit freely to nicking it wholesale from Boris Johnson. Um, but a Mirabout is where the mayor, a bit like the Spanish Inquisition, uh, appears in your shop uh, and shakes you by the hand and says, Hello, I'm the mayor. And some of my colleagues thought this was not quite what mayors should do. Um, I, I have to say I heartily disagreed. And I've now done Egham, Chertsey and Adelston, and it's something like 170 shops, and it's been extraordinarily well received. People are delighted to see the mayor on the street and the council represented physically, and not, there's not somebody you have to ring up or write to, and it's gone down so well. And do they give you feedback when you go in about what they would like to see in Runnymede? Strangely, yes, <laughs> they do. Um, but also they're kind of very generous. I could have, uh, for instance, last Saturday I could have my nails manicured three times, uh, two pints of beer and five cappuccinos, all of which, of course, I gracefully declined. Well, I don't know whether the colour actually quite matches your chain, does it? The colour of your nails? The colour of nails? I'm working on that. I'm sure an adjustment can be made. And what do you think of what uh, Glaxo are actually doing for the community around here? I think it's stupendous. Uh, I must admit I wasn't until tonight aware of the scale and commitment that they have, not just to the borough, but also worldwide. Um, So I was duly gratified to hear that they um, choose uh, charities to support, you know, on a a very kind of wise and impartial basis. And uh, I think it's a tremendous... Uh, contribution to not just Runnymede but the other surrounding boroughs. Well thank you very much and uh, good luck and I hope that one day I'm in a shop and you come in and introduce yourself. Well you have to be in the right shop at the right time. I certainly do thank you very much Peter And I'm delighted now to be with Dr Theresa Leyer from GSK, Vice President of Oral Health Research and Development who's uh, been presenting the awards this evening. Nice to see you again this year. Good evening Graham. lovely to see you again too yeah, indeed, and uh, your presentation this evening, what really impressed me was just how much you're doing, not just locally here, but around the world, and particularly with the Save the Children Fund. Can you just tell us a bit about that and your aims? Yes, of course, Graham. Well, um, the Save the Children partnership um, with GSK, I think, is something that's truly innovative. The concept um, was really created uh, a couple of years ago by uh, Sir Andrew Whitty, our CEO, and the vision is to try to save the lives of one million children around the world by partnering and bringing GlaxoSmithKline's skills in education, medicines development and making those medicines accessible to children to really make a difference to their lives. So that's really the goal of the partnership. Right, and this is because obviously GSK being a worldwide company as well. Absolutely, absolutely. So we feel that we have the the sort of capability to really make a difference in areas like donations, training and healthcare. And I think it's a mission that really binds us together as a company actually right, and it's mainly the undeveloped countries then that need the greatest help I guess and is it that they lack some of the very basic uh, sort of medicines and things that we, we take for granted? It is absolutely and it's often that um, children in those countries just don't have the access to healthcare provision and um, you know, one thing I think we're very proud of is we've been able to develop um, a gel actually for newborns um, which can be applied to umbilical cords to help prevent uh, deaths of newborns and that's something 
something as part of the partnership that we're very proud of. Something we just take so much for granted here. Absolutely, here in, here in the developed world. Yes, and so I know as well as saving a million children, you, you hope you're trying to raise a million pounds a year. We are, absolutely. So the sort of parallel arm to the programme is to try to, um, each year for GSK, to uh, raise a million pounds. Um, and we call that Orange United, and that's our sort of internal badge for the work that we're doing there. Right, and I believe also your workforce, if they, they actually raise some money, you're matching. That's right, yes. So whatever we do within the company in terms of charity events, the company commits to, uh, to match that money. So it's a fantastic incentive for all of us, actually. And I know there are other, other organisations and charities within the UK you're helping. Yes, there are. Um, an example would be um, Help the Heroes, um, where we've really done um, a lot of work there, trying to you know, um, build a centre to help you know, wounded soldiers um, and, and rehabilitate them. Them, and we have a number of other UK charities that we support too. Right, and I know you also locally do the Orange Day each year. We do, absolutely. <laughs> so that provides us uh, as an opportunity and we all get as GSK employees one day per year where we can um, basically uh, go and help uh, volunteer for a charity. So that could be that we paint the walls of a local hospital or we mm. do some gardening or whatever that charity wants. Great, great stuff. Just tell us a bit more about uh, GSK then. You're, you're in charge obviously research then for oral health. How much more is there to know about what sort of toothpaste or mouthwash I should be using? Well, I, I have to say um, it's been a lifelong passion of mine for nearly 20 years now, but um, there is actually always more to discover. We, there are a number of new emerging therapeutic conditions, acid erosion, dry mouth. So um, when we think we've discovered or we've found you know, pretty much everything there is to find, we always find that there's a new condition to research and new products that can make a difference to our consumers. So it's a lifelong passion and something that you know myself and my team really share. It must take a long time time to develop a product? It really depends. We can be anything from, depending on how simple the development is, um, it can be nine months right through to three years if it's breakthrough technology. Really? Yes. Right, okay. Is, is stem cell technology taking any, you anywhere? Um, we're not researching that in oral health, but yes, it's a hugely fascinating area of research. Mm. And um, yes, uh, fascinating to follow the developments in that yeah, field. And you must have seen so many changes over the years. Huge numbers of changes, yes. I think um, just the way in which you know consumers are finding out information now um, it's really important for our brands we talk about being expert recommended through the dentist and consumer preferred but of course the rise of the internet is making a huge difference to how people access information i'm going to say people are getting more savvy definitely definitely and i think at the heart of what we do is you know being honest and transparent and really having strong products where we can really support our claims yeah. for the consumer Let's talk about the, the Weybridge Health Awards this year. Then, uh, where, So what part of Surrey does it cover? Um, it basically covers um, the local areas. So, for example, Elmbridge, um, Borough Council, the local areas of Runnymede, etc. And it's our ninth year of giving um, five £5,000 awards to five deserving local charities. My goodness me. Now, now, how do you go about all this? I mean, what's your criteria? Yep, we have a number of criteria that um, the charities should be working locally, that they should be focused in the area of mental emotion or physical health and then what we also do is we ask them just to submit to us the details of how they're going to use the money we had 28 applicants this year and there's a wonderful team um, who support me this evening in looking at all of those applications and really whittling them down to the five winners right which uh, who we've seen obviously tonight and uh, what impressed me they all obviously making a real difference to individuals lives absolutely that's our hope and of course our company mission is to help people do more feel better and live longer and i hope that's something we've been able to do this evening right well thank you very much for talking to me this evening dr Theresa lair thank you graham Rock
Radio.